Betrayal shatters the good things, but it also shatters the bad things. It also shatters the bad patterns. And it gives, in a sense, this is hard to say sometimes, but it can give a freedom where you can now take up the pen of your life and the story of your life and you get to write the rest of the story how you want it to go. Friends, on today's podcast, we had a a wonderful woman named Tammy Gustafson on. She's a counselor. She's a coach. She does retreats in Paris. She's going to talk to us about that. Uh, But I love today's topic, and it is reclaiming your life after betrayal. It is such an amazing you know, kind of at the end of the process uh, topic, but it's so, so, so important after you've done the healing, after you've uh, processed your grief and learned the tools, joined the group, all of those things, how do we reclaim our life? How yeah. do we get normalcy back and and even discover a little more deeply our identity? So Tammy's going to talk with us about that. She has on her website, and we will put her website and contact information in the show notes, she's created Um, four steps of betrayal, healing, and recovery. And so she's going to talk with us about step four, which is reclaiming your life after betrayal. And so we're really excited. We learned a lot. We, there was a lot of validation and affirmation in our conversation, and we're excited to invite you all into our conversation with Tammy. Yes. Tammy Gustafson has also a betrayal healing conference And you're hearing this just in time because uh, this year's conference is on January 22nd through 26th of 2024. So go check it out at betrayalhealingconference.com. The conference is a five-day online event designed specifically to help women who've experienced sexual betrayal and to get off the emotional roller coaster, gain some confidence, and determine their next step. So there's 30 speakers. Um, I get to be one of those speakers and um, there are also experts and leaders in the betrayal healing and, and will provide, you know, these, these practical guidance, um, and, and empowering steps that you just won't want to mix. The conference is actually completely free. So, um, go ahead and head over to the betrayal healing conference after you listen to this podcast and you're going to get a little taste as to who Tammy is, what she does, what she has to offer highly recommend her and I'm looking forward to continuing to collaborate with her not just with this conference but here on the podcast as well so take a listen listeners and enjoy this wonderful content from Tammy Gustafson welcome to the betrayal recovery transformation podcast your place to reclaim your life after betrayal my name is Jen Howie hey friends my name is Chris Rocha Thanks for joining us today. On today's podcast, we have Tammy Gustafson. She is what I would say a formidable woman. And you'll find out throughout this episode why I'm saying that about Tammy, because she's going to unveil herself. I know it. But uh, fun facts about Tammy. um, She has a Paris retreat, you guys. So we're going to hear more (laughs) about that at the end of this episode. But let me just say, I want to go. You want to go, Jen? I, I, yes, I do very much. Right? Yes. A cafe in Paris uh, with Tammy. Yes, please. (laughs) And uh, she is a formidable skydiver. Uh, she is, she has so many nuances and, uh, and, but most importantly, she has an incredible expertise when it comes to the world of betrayal, trauma and recovery. Yes. Yes. Tammy, Tammy's a coach. She's a counselor. She's a writer. She, and she's a speaker. She's passionate about walking with women through betrayal because this is her story as well. And this combination gives her a really powerful and unique perspective on the healing journey. Tammy brings strength, clarity, and compassion to those she walks with, helping them to find their voice and set healthy boundaries, untangling them when they get stuck, and helping them reclaim their worth and value. Yeah, and then in addition to that, uh, in addition to helping women um, really heal from betrayal, Tammy is a licensed professional counselor, as if it couldn't even get any better. Here she is, licensed (laughs) and everything. She lives in Colorado with her husband and her four children, where she's also the founder and CEO of Live Free Counseling. Welcome to the podcast, Tammy. 
Thanks, guys. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to have you here. And I'm really excited about today's topic, which we've been trying to land on a title for this episode. So we've got here um, reclaiming your life after betrayal, reclaiming your identity after betrayal. There's just a lot that gets to be reclaimed. And we're going to we're going to navigate that path right now in this episode. So. Um, Tammy, would you please start out by telling our listeners a bit about yourself and why you became a betrayal trauma counselor and coach? Yeah, absolutely. So my journey into the betrayal world really began almost 10 years into marriage, into what I naively and perhaps arrogantly thought was the perfect marriage. And then that is where the first signs of my husband's uh, pornography addiction came out. And it, uh, he gave a little glimpse into that and told me a tiny little bit. And then that was it. And I cried and he cried and he said he would never do it again. And I believed him and I forgave him and off we went. And then of course that didn't heal anything actually. And so everything just kind of low grade simmered for about a year until I was really ready to face it. And, um, and that is when the truth really blew up. And that was really what I consider our D-Day, which was almost nine years ago now. And so that was the process, or that was the start of, as as we all know, a very deep, very long uh, healing journey where um, thankfully we uh, landed with a counselor who really helped us get going right away. And my husband, thankfully, uh, did the work and I did a lot of my own personal work and personal healing along the way. And so our marriage did make it. And my husband is now also a counselor and he works with couples and men. And, uh, I work with, I work with women and, you know, honestly, I, was not one of those women who wanted to use my story for good. <laughs> I was not, I was, I went in kicking and screaming. I used to say my story can die a thousand deaths. Yes. I was not interested yes. in helping anyone with it, yes. but it was one of those step-by-step step and where my heart and where my passion just continue to grow and grow until now. Um, I've always specialized in PTSD and, and trauma. Um, I've been a counselor for about 15 years, but since then over time, my passion and my specialty has really honed in a lot on the betrayal trauma and it it is such a sacred um, honor to mm -hmm. walk with women through this process and so I'm so happy to be here oh my gosh well said I'm I I'm so sorry that you're part of this club that none of us wanted to be in but I'm <laughs> yes. so grateful mm -hmm. um, where would the world be without people like you not only that have experienced it and then have chosen to walk with other people through it but you've got this level of of you know, trauma, this trauma background in education, that it, it, it just changes the lives of women who are walking through this process. And I know that a part of that is you, you've created this betrayal healing phases. And you talk about, you know, why, why they're important in reclaiming your life after betrayal. I'm wondering, can you, can you share with us a little bit about that? What, what are your betrayal healing phases and, and why are they important? Yeah, the betrayal healing phases are something that I've developed over time, kind of drawing off of my clinical expertise, drawing off of my personal experience and walking women through it. And what the phases are is I, I outlined four phases that really happen after betrayal, and it really walks with the relationship. And I think this is something that is perhaps a little bit different um, in is that it follows the relationship journey. So the first one I call reveal. And that's when discovery or disclosure happens. So during that phase, it's when you're trying to get the truth, you're trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, and there's all sorts of stuff, of course, that happens during that time. The second phase is what I call rumble. And that is really after you get the truth or it becomes clear that you're never going to get the truth. And so then it moves into this next phase where this is really the messy middle, right? This is where you're not sure if he's 
going to do the work. You're not sure if you're going to stay or you're going to go. There's grieving and boundaries and finding your voice and all the things during that phase. Phase three is called resolution. And that is where, that is when the direction of the marriage has really become clear. Like it's become clear that it's either moving towards one of three things, redemption, it's moving towards healing, it's moving towards divorce, or it's moving towards roommates. And that <laughs> is usually that piece where he's doing just enough to work to keep her in, and she doesn't want to get divorced for a lot of really valid reasons, perhaps it's finances, perhaps it's kids. So they just kind of hit this, this roommate's phase where they coexist. And then the final phase is rebuild. And this happens organically. And this, I see it time and time again, where women will come into my office and they're like, you know, I just, it's time to focus on me. And it's usually where there's enough either stability in the relationship or there's enough resolution in that they know where they're going. But there's just this organic shift that happens where they are ready to stop putting all of their focus on the relationship or the husband or ex-husband and to move towards picking up the pieces for themselves and for their life. And so one of the big reasons that I think these betrayal healing phases are important is because the message we give is going to be different depending on what phase you're in. And there are things that if you focus on in phase one will shut your process down. For instance, if you focus on forgiveness in phase one, your process will shut down. And But if you focus on it later on, then it's very appropriate. But there are times where um, where we as helping professionals all discuss things, but I think if women don't know, if they're not in the right phase to hear that, it could actually be kind of detrimental. And so part of what I want to do with these phases is to say, hey, in each of these phases, there are things to focus on and things not to focus on so that you don't get stuck. And so really for today, what we're focusing on is reclaiming life, which is really phase four. So everyone, no matter what phase you're in, you can listen, you can grab things and hold on to them and gain. And those in phase two or three might be able to incorporate some of this stuff as well. But I am really focusing on those women in phase four. That's awesome. Thank you. I have a question in the flow of the conversation, but I want to back up a little bit to something that you just said. Um, would you tell us, Tammy, in your expert opinion, um, why forgiveness in phase one might not be something, um, gosh, this is a choppy sentence. <laughs> Why would forgiveness in phase one not be something that would be beneficial to focus on? I had a very well-meaning woman who was a women's ministry leader in the beginning of my process say, the first thing you need to do is forgive. Mm -hmm. And I, I was just like maybe two months, three months into educating myself on this. And I knew what she was saying was not resonating with me. And I resisted that, but I didn't know why. Can you talk about that for a minute before I get to my next question? Absolutely. Well, it doesn't work. I mean, that's the short version. I'll give the longer version, but it doesn't work. That's what I did in my process. When I found out the first little steps, the first little bit of truth, I did what you're supposed to, quote unquote, supposed to do is you forgive right away. You right. forgive and forget, right? And so I forgave and we moved on and I thought, boy, now that I forgave, it, it should feel better, right? Like I should feel better or we should be okay now. My pain should be less. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what forgiveness forgiveness is and isn't. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, is that forgiveness really comes after anger. Yes. Forgiveness comes after a good part of the grieving. Forgiveness comes after knowing what it is you need to forgive. Yes. And that's a big part of it is that phase one, you are trying, your world has just been shattered and you are trying to figure out the truth. You don't even know what you don't know at this point, or you mm -hmm. are starting to get it. And to forgive, you really need to know 
what it is you are forgiving. And so there's so much pressure, especially in Christian circles, to forgive right away, that you're not being biblical if you're not, to forgive and forget, and that you just need to put it in the past. You know, he said he's sorry, so you need to move on. And the reality is, if you do that, all healing shuts down. The grieving shuts down. The process of finding out the truth shuts down, which is the only way that a marriage is going to heal. You can heal individually without it, but the marriage has to have that. And so it's critically important that you pause that. And what I also tell my clients too, especially I work with a lot of non-Christians, but I have a lot of Christians as well that come in. And for those who are believers saying you can trust forgiveness is important. It is important, but you can trust that the Holy Spirit will tell you when it's time. You will feel that inside of you where it will start to come up and you'll be like, oh man, I think I need to, I think I need to forgive him. Mm -hmm. And then, and only then is it time. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, they always talk about how forgiveness is releasing a debt. How can you possibly know the debt that is owed to you until you've gone through that process of grief? Like the levels of forgiveness, if you will, is so much more intricate, I think, than any of us really realized. We, we put a, um, many of us put a happy little Christianese sticker on it. You know, it's like, it's like putting a bandaid on a gushing wound. There's, there's things that have to, it's not going to stick. It's not going to stay. It's not going to heal. It might actually even get worse. Um, but I think that I, I love how you put it because forgiveness, it just, it, you have to go through the grief and how can you possibly grieve what you don't, what you don't know? You know what I mean? So, I mean, you might know the circumstances of some of the things that he's done, but you don't deeply know how it has affected you until you've gone through grief. And now once you've gone through grief, now you know what you're forgiving and it's a completely (laughs) different healing experience than if you were to just forgive automatically, like the Bible says to, to forgive quickly. Yes, there is an element of that. I'm forgiving enough to stand here in front of you and not throat punch you. So that's good. (laughs) So, um, but still, you know, that forgiveness is a process. It's not, it's not one felt swoop. And I think it's important not to put a timeline on forgiveness. I think it is much more important to be open to the Holy Spirit. And I think there are different paths. Like for, for my story, my husband was a pastor when life blew up. Um, unfortunately, the church really vilified me. Um, and I had a lot of pain there. And so I, I got to a place of forgiving my husband um, who was very sorry uh, and who was working hard. And, but the, the reality of the church and that relationship, it took me two years beyond that to get to a place where I was even ready to focus on forgiveness there. So I want to recognize that there are different timelines and there can be different paths based on, um, who, who hurt you in the relationship that you have with that. So I just want to give a lot of grace and a lot of freedom for this and say, it's okay to put it on the back burner and to trust that it will come up when it's time. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. That's beautiful. I love the grace and space that you're giving. And thank you for the little sidebar conversation on that. When I realized that, because I grew up in the church and forgiveness, I actually never looked up the definition of the word prior to this. And uh, it was one evening after we had just watched a sermon on forgiveness together, my husband and I, um, that I realized I looked up the, the definition and um, I was holding on to, I will not forgive because they knew what they were doing. The people in this story were intentional. Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do, but these people knew what they were doing. The porn industry knows what they're doing, et cetera, right? So I wasn't going to forgive because it was intentional. And when I realized it meant to release a debt, I remember saying to God, okay, Lord, I can do that. The debt's being acknowledged. No one's saying I wasn't wronged or offended or hurt or wounded, Um, but it's saying to release the debt that's being acknowledged. And when I said that to the Lord, I swear I could hear him say, good, because the debt's not owed to you. It's owed to me. 
and that was comforting too to know that I could take this burden and give it to God and he would collect it he would take care of it for me that was a relief Mm. but you're right the timing was this was probably two and a half years into my process so yeah timing is critical I love what you said listen to the Holy Spirit Okay, so my next question for you, Tammy, is what things do women need to consider when they're reclaiming life in phase four? Yeah, so it is really important at some point in time to pause and to kind of take stock and evaluate life. Because especially after betrayal, man, we go into survival mode. And then that just can go on for uh, an indefinite period of time. And that can become the new normal. Kind of going on survival mode or with your nervous system on fire. My nervous system was on fire for about six years. So it can really go on for a while. And so it is important at some point if you can, when you can, to pause. And I like to use the analogy of to kind of climb out of the river of life where we're all flowing down this stream and sometimes it's calm, but other times it's massive rapids, right? But a lot of times we're flowing and we don't really know where we're going. And so it's important to like swim to the edge of the shore, climb up on the side and just take a moment or a day or a week to pause and go, okay, where... How am I doing? Where am I at? Where has my life been? Where am I going? And so what I'm offering uh, as we talk through this is really a framework for personal reflection and really a framework for a personal retreat if you want to do it that way. Mm. So I, you talked about our Paris, my Paris retreat. I love retreats. I have done solo retreats to Paris uh, many, many times. Um, but also just on my own and going up to the mountains in Colorado or doing a retreat with a friend because I find it so incredibly valuable to pause and take stock of life. So, so here's some things I'm going to offer you, uh, in the quietness of your home, or if you want to go on a weekend retreat by yourself or join me in Paris, but the (laughs) first one or the three questions really to kind of dive into First one is, what did you lose? The second one is, what did you gain? And now the third one is, what do you want? And so starting with that first question of what did you lose with betrayal, it's important to pause and identify that. It's important to pause, and I want you to physically make a list, to sit down and make a list of what did I lose? Like, let's take stock, let's get real here, and let's take stock of how has life changed? What did you lose? And really that could fall into, that could be external, right? That could be you lost a job. Maybe you had to move because of what your husband did. I think we have all, or at least I'll speak for myself, lost friendships over this. Um, finances are a huge one, right? And if not, if not in what he did in the process of his addiction or sexual acting out, the process of healing is expensive, right? Mm -hmm. And right. And then another big one is your body. Like there are so many women who have health issues after this from all of the stress hormones and the cortisol and the adrenaline that are flowing through our system for long periods of time. It could be health could be your body either gaining weight, either losing weight or that relationship with your body. So really sit down and making a list of that and honoring those losses and allowing yourself to grieve those losses. So that's the external part. There's also an internal part. There is an intense loss of innocence in this. I don't know about you, but there, I mean, I know more about things I never ever wanted to know about. Yes. There is a loss of innocence. Being naive is... Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Absolutely. And ideals, like no one thinks that their marriage is going to, that this is going to be their story. Right. Nobody believes that. No, I never would have in a million years would have thought so. So the ideals, the dreams, the future, the past of all of those memories that now you're going like, oh my gosh, you were doing that then. And 
like, is anything real? The roles, like maybe you were a stay-at-home mom and now you're like, I, I can't trust him with finances. I need to go back for my own safety. I need to go back and get a job. It may be your sense of purpose or your sense of identity. So there's a lot of things there that it's just important to to pause because if we don't identify this and if we don't grieve it, it doesn't mean it's not there. It just means it's unprocessed. Yeah. Ooh, good. Yeah. Grief is the process we have to go through to heal, right? Yeah. 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 Press into that, ladies. Press into the <laughs> grief. Yeah. yeah, I really believe that the grieving process is the healing process. It is how we work through it. And we have to remember that that includes anger and sadness, includes them both. And if we pull one out, we'll cycle in the other. So it's really important to, to honor those emotions. And there are a lot of emotions as we all know. Oh gosh. Yeah. That adage is so overused, but feel it to heal it is is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's really, it's really hard to it's really hard to even consider that there's something to gain here um, when when we're going through the process um, because it just feels like a bunch of losses, loss after loss after loss. And I think, you know, like in my first marriage, um, I was like, we're going to show God's glory. You know, I'd like it was all gain, but there's no, but I hadn't counted the cost. I hadn't counted the losses. And, um, so it was, it gave me such a false sense of honestly hope. Hmm. Um, and, and so tell us a little bit about Tammy, what, what is there to gain if anything in going through this process? Yeah, I think part of that self-reflection is to notice everything right? And so we're, I've talked so far about noticing the losses, but the reality is, especially for those who are farther along and for those who are early on in this process, just tuck this in the back of your mind (laughs) and then walk away from it. There is also a lot of gains that can happen. Um, and I want you to list those as well. But before we go there, I want to, I want to make a big hard stop for a moment and say, There's a difference between um, noticing your gains, noticing your growth and being grateful for that and being grateful for the betrayal that caused the growth. Can I just pause you there and say, I've got your Instagram post from yesterday (laughs) pulled up here. I was thinking the exact same thing. (laughs) Yep, I got it. Yep, I I actually journaled about it yesterday because this was a growth moment for me because I have said multiple times, I'm grateful for the betrayal. And I was reading a testimonial yesterday from a woman who said, because of all of it that I've gained, I would go through it all again, even though it was excruciating. The, the, Uh, the benefits were exponential for her. And I feel that. Mm. So, but your Instagram post yesterday said there is a difference between being grateful for your growth and being grateful for the trauma that caused your growth. And your explanation for that or your little um, commentary was, in case you need to hear this, you don't ever have to be grateful for betrayal. That was a mindset shift for me, Tammy. So thank you for posting that. And you go on to say, sometimes there's pressure or yeah, sometimes there's pressure that you should be thankful for the betrayal because of the growth you may have experienced or that being grateful somehow proves that you're healed. Um, betrayal is traumatic period, and you never need to be thankful for trauma. So, uh, that was, that was amazing. So just to piggyback on what Jen was saying there, and I, that was a mindset shift. I think I'm going to change my phraseology now to say <laughs> that I'm grateful for the growth that it produced. I do, I can't say I see what God did there. And I have said that I can't think of any other situation that would have lit us on fire and made us run for the water, like betrayal trauma would have, not finances, not health. This had a unique, um, there was a unique combination that I think God knew this was what was needed. So he allowed it. He didn't cause it, but he allowed it. I love so. how how you and I, Chris, we're, we're so alike and so opposite at the same time because I'm not grateful for it all. I hate it. I still hate it to this day. I acknowledge the growth. I'm grateful to God for what he's done. I've seen the way I've experienced God 
he could have used, he honestly, he could have chosen some different ways to do it. Right. <laughs> but he didn't, or he, or he allowed, he didn't do these things. He al- mm-hmm. allowed these things to take place and of course showed up in ways, um, that, that are in line with his character. Yeah. Um, but while I am not grateful for this experience, especially with my second husband, my first husband, it felt like an anomaly. And then to go through it again in a second marriage felt insult to injury. Yeah. It felt just rude (laughs) and of God to allow that to happen. But, but I've reconciled it and there Mm. is a sweetness. So strong. Yeah. There's a sweetness and reconciliation. It has softened. I don't, um, I, I still don't necessarily agree that this was the best way to, you know, I think there's other ways God could have got my, you know, my attention and it, it really messed with my theology of God. So I love how for you, Chris, it was this run to the cross moment. And for me, it was more of a run away and, mm. and honestly, two middle fingers to God because I'm not down with your techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> And then I, then I experience God in a different way. And I think many women are like all three of us. Mm-hmm. The experiences are very, very different. So I very think what unique. you're saying here, Tan, there's a validation that um, there's not a formula <laughs> to us experiencing God through this. There isn't, it's Mm-mm. very different for all three of us and all three ways are valid. And I'm willing to bet there's a hundred different people out there that are experiencing a hundred different ways to um, process their gains. And, and, and I don't even look to, at this point in my life, I don't even look to be grateful for it. I don't need to be grateful for it, but I will acknowledge what God has done in my life, how I've grown as a woman, how I am compassionate and relate to others as a result. And I think that is quite a um, common denominator that all three of us have at this point in our healing journey. Um, it with God and it's just not wasted. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think I just yeah. was standing on a soapbox for just a second. So I'm going to step down now. I love your <laughs> <And Tammy>, soapbox. <laughs> um, so Tammy, I'm going to push this box over to you now and let you continue with, uh, with what did you gain? What did yeah, you gain? That question. <laughs> well, I want to, I want to hang out on the soapbox with you for a minute, Jen, um, because I think this is so crucial. And I so appreciate that you said that because there, there are so, so few women that I've worked with after betrayal that has not, that have not had a crisis of faith and have not struggled with God and wondered if they're going to get to the other side. And so for those that are struggling with God, that are angry at God, I just want to let you know that he's got you. He's big mm-hmm. enough to handle that. And it is okay. It's already inside of you. So speaking it to him is the way through this. And I often give the analogy of if your child is really angry and hurt at you, would you, especially those who are older, would you rather that they got mad and yelled and said all the things? Or would you rather that they just walked away and just left the relationship? Kind of depends on how conflict avoidant you are. That's fair. That is so fair. But God is not conflict avoided. That's true. That is so true. He can take it. Yeah. He can take it. So let's go back to the gains though. So some things that could be gains. And I do want you to take a moment and take make a list for it. And this may bring up stuff. It may bring up anger. It may bring up all that kind of stuff. But when process through that as well. Strength could be strength. It could be empowerment. It could be that you found your voice through this. It could be that it gave you the freedom to step into a new way of being. Mm -hmm. I know in my story, it gave me the freedom to like burst out of the box I had put myself in and being like, I am doing this. I am doing this and I don't care. And the interesting thing about betrayal is that we, we use this term a lot that it shatters. It shatters us, it shatters life, and it does. But I think oftentimes we only think about it shattering the good things. The reality is it also shatters the bad things. It Can you shatters- say that again, please? Yeah. yeah. Mic drop. There it is. <laughs> Betrayal shatters the good things, but it also shatters the bad things. It oh, also shatters the bad patterns. And it gives... In a sense, this is hard to say sometimes, but it can give a freedom 
where you can now take up the pen of your life and the story of your life and you get to write the rest of the story how you want it to go. Amen. Wow. Yes. Oh, I just, whoo, just going to soak in that for a minute. So beautifully said. Bullseye. Yep. I've lived that. I can see and Jen, Jen's celebrating in the background. Friends, you can't see her, but her hands are in the air going, yes, God. Yeah, we can. I, we all have different origin stories, even different families of origin, different baggage we brought into our relationships or into this betrayal situation. But the outcomes are often the same. Not always, but often. And that's one of them, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Keep going, Tammy. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Give us more. <laughs> so that's the gains. And it's just important to know, to know that, um, to recognize those gains, because those can be some of the footing and foundation to really move into that third question, to really start shifting and moving forward and focusing on the future. Yep. So grab those gains, own them, stand on them and then move forward. Do you want me to dive into the third one? Let's do the third one, which was, what do you want? Right? Yeah. yeah. The next one, yeah. Okay. So ladies, this is your chance. And for those who are particularly, or who are in phase four, who are like, okay, I need to focus on me. And I'm not focused so much on the marriage or the divorce, the husband, the ex-husband. This is where you get to create a new future for yourself. Ladies, you have one life to live. How do you want to live it? And so I want you to take time and think about the direction you want to go. You don't have to come up with a specific point. I don't even think that's realistic because I think especially after betrayal, there are so many things. This is an unveiling and unfolding rather than you are plotting out your life. That's, that's beautiful. I love the word unfurling. That was my word of the year about two years ago, right? Just unfurl those those wings, dust off those cobwebs, get in the attic and get all that stuff you put on the shelf out and start digging through what you want to do next. Yeah. So this is where you can go back, you know, kind of an initial step with this is maybe it's helpful to go back to your losses list and see, okay, now what, what do I want? What do I want to keep? Which ones do I want to focus on first? And what I would say, this is where you have to be so gentle with yourself because there is so much when you, when you are surveying the damage and all the pieces that you're picking up and all the things that are going on, there's only so much time. There's only so much energy. There's only so much finances that you have. So go back and pick the one thing that you want to focus on and start there and be, uh, the others are there and they're waiting and they're probably yelling at you, but I want you to pick one. And so that might be like, gosh, our finances were devastated and like, I need to get back on top of finances. Okay, great. Then everything else goes on pause. Just focus on that one. What do focus you, on that. What do you, I'm sorry. <laughs> what do you say to women who, who, who complete that sentence with, I want him blank. Great question, Jen. Then I would say, absolutely. That is not, that's probably an indication that they're not in phase four. Okay. Good. Ah, I love that. Wow. Okay. Because in phase four, it's really shifting. And that might be, that sounds more like a phase two where they're still like, I want him to do the work. I need him to do this, right? That is so appropriate, but that's probably where she needs to be right now. And if she's focusing, I want him to do things, then this is not the time about rebuilding. And there might be aspects of this that can come in, but I would say if you're there, then absolutely you dig in, you dig into that counseling, you use your voice, you tell them what you need and you want, and your focus is primarily there right now. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. Absolutely. So if you're on the other side and things have calmed down with your marriage or you're now divorced or things and you're looking at, then you pick one thing, then you, you work on that and you put all the extra small bit of extra energy and time you have into that. And then once that, and that may be 
nine months later, right? Where things are like, okay, finances where where I'm okay now. Okay, then what's the next thing you want to pick up? Then pick one more thing. And it might be like, I want my body back. Like I don't I don't even know myself because like I gained weight or I didn't take care of myself or I lost weight because I didn't eat or my I'm, I have all these health issues now. Great. Okay. Then now you can add that in. Okay. But kind of be very gentle with yourself one thing at a time. Now on the internal parts, this is where I really want to kind of dive into a little bit because this is, I want us to focus a bit on the relationship with yourself. This is the key and the, I would say the most important aspect of healing long-term again, once you're in phase four, but it's reconnecting with yourself in this relationship with yourself. And a lot of times what happens, first of all, physically, we disconnect with our body. That happens almost immediately because the emotions are so big. The stress hormones are so overwhelming that a lot of times we disconnect with our body where I love how Andy Kohlberg puts it in her book, uh, Try Softer. It's like the body is just there to walk the head around, mm -hmm. right? And so we cannot heal as deeply as we want, as long-term as we want without reconnecting to our body. Bodies. Very, very important. But beyond that, beyond the body, there's also this sense of who you are. And what another thing that happens so commonly, this is no shame, no judgment, but we often abandon parts of ourselves along the way. We don't even know we're doing it, let's be honest. But there are parts of us that just get abandoned along the way. And one way to tell this, I call these these pain pockets. And it's when you use the words, when you think back and say, I'll never fill in the blank. <laughs> and we think this is just about our husband. And it makes sense because in the moment when we're doing this, why we're doing it is we're saying, this is so overwhelming mm -hmm. and too much that I just need to take this aspect and I need to bury it and take it out of the equation because it's just, I can't even deal with all that's on my plate. So I'm going to take this one out. So I thought, I'll never, I go thought ahead. that I'll never was a boundary. I don't think that now but initially, I thought I'll never meant standing up for myself. So what I hear you saying is that's actually abandoning myself, not standing up for myself. Interesting. I think that's the end that's the end that happens. I think in the moment you do whatever you need to do. There is no shame, no judgment with this. And we all do this. I'll never trust him again. I'll never be naked in front of him again. I'll never step foot in that restaurant again. I'll never, yeah. yep. I'll never look I'll at never that picture again. I'll never go on vacation again. again. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, what I would just say one way, if you're in the midst of this and, and, and you're starting to hear yourself say this, um, maybe rewording it and saying, um, right now I am choosing not to. Oh, that's good. Because what happens with the I'll never is that if we hold on to that, we take it, we take the I'll never, and we bury it deep in a vault. The problem is, is that an aspect of us always goes with it. That's the part of, of abandoning, not saying that, not drawing a line of like, this is not healthy for me, but what happens is part of us goes with it. So I'll never go on vacation with him again. There's an aspect of part of our personality of fun and letting loose that gets connected with it and it gets locked down. And there's your next social media post right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, that is so relatable. I did that, the oaths and the vows of I'll never in, in an effort to protect myself. Yeah. It, yeah. And that, and again, that is so accurate. I absolutely left parts of my dreams and my hopes, but I, it was that building a fortress that I was going to lock myself away behind. And yeah. And, and the bummer part about that is that, yeah, like you said, I appreciate no judgment in that we do what we need to do in the moment, but I did have to put some effort into tearing that fortress down as part of my healing work. So exactly. Exactly. And you can go back and heal those. The problem is it takes one, they can, they can, they can stay down forever. You don't ever actually have to pull them out. It's okay if you choose not to, but the problem is part of us goes with it. Right. Mm. And you also have to know that when you open those back up, 
they're going to, they're, they're buried, whatever intensity they're buried with, that will initially come back up with that same intensity. Now it will probably subside because you're in a different place at that point, but you just have to be aware it takes great courage and risk to identify those and go back because it creates is a lot of vulnerability. It is. it is worth it, but it's hard. Yeah, it is. I remember thinking, um, I'll never leave the remote in the house again. Um, so I used to pack it in my purse. I would take it with me. And then of course, in addict like fashion, you could put remotes on your, on your phone. So, <laughs> but, but I hear what you're saying because as a result, what I threw away, I, I was engaging in anxiety and, um, fear and all of that, which I already had just because I was going through it. But by taking that remote with me, I'll never leave that remote again. That meant I had to be responsible. I, what I threw away was the freedom to just leave my house. Now I had a checklist of perceived safeties I needed to do to, to just leave the house. And so I was definitely forfeiting a part of me, part of the freedom yeah. that I had. And, um, I know Chris, you've said it a couple times and I just want to keep reiterating. Thank you, Tammy, for creating space. Like that's okay. That's mm-hmm. okay. That's where you are now. And, and because it allows us to revisit the I'll nevers, um, in ways that are in amounts that are, um, I don't know that we can handle it essentially. Yes, yeah. that's right. And one of the things that has been helpful for me in this is to get under the why I made this vow. I, I said this oath, why what's underneath it? What am I after? What's my, what's my gain here? Um, and unpacking that was rich when it, when, it, when I was ready for that, because it does take some new capacity to do that. Sure. I mean, it, it understanding how it serves us rather than judging it. I think I spent a lot of time judging my behaviors rather than getting curious about them and understanding how they were protecting me and then being really soft toward myself in that area. Like, Oh, Jen, you're experiencing fear and he hasn't had, he's not in that durability stage yet. So it's reasonable. And then being nice to myself rather than, um, some of the negative self-talk I was having as a result of um, some of the behaviors I was, I was engaging in to, in an effort to, to stay relatively uh, unfazed, (laughs) which is really pointless because unfazed is not a thing in betrayal recovery. Right. Well, and also here we need to go back to that. There's no timeline here either. Again, you don't actually ever have to pull these pain pockets up if you don't want to. And if you do decide to, there is no timeline on this either. We are nine years past betrayal. My husband is doing great and he is safe and our marriage is restored. There are still some pain pockets that I'm like, ah, no, not Mm, (laughs) maybe someday, but there's still a couple that are there. And so, um, I just want to offer that, that compassion. There's no timeline on healing period. But I do want to offer, um, in this, I want to offer some really practical pieces for reconnecting with yourself and to use this. I, to do this, I want to actually pull from, from somebody outside the betrayal world. Uh, I want to pull from Dan Siegel and Dan Siegel is a brilliant psychiatrist who graduated from Harvard and does this deep dive into research and brain and the body to kind of understand who we are and how to heal and how to thrive. He has also written some parenting books, which are the only parenting books I ever recommend. (laughs) And one of those is called the power of showing up. And what this offers is this offers kind of parents the the guide of saying, hey, if you want your child to be secure and to be resilient and to be healthy and kind of open and free, here's the things that need to happen. 
And we're going to go into those, but what I want to offer is that in this process of reconnecting with yourself, there is a reparenting aspect to this. We're at the very best, none of us had perfect parents, but if you think about the best, most caring, most loving parents, you can be that to yourself and reparent and actually help heal those parts of you that are wounded in general and are wounded by betrayal. And this is how you start to heal yourself. This is how you start to reconnect and start to have compassion for yourself. And what Dan outlines, and I want to offer that we can do this internally for ourselves, is he offers that uh, that their kids need to feel safe, they need to feel seen, and they need to feel soothed. And if they are, if you can provide that, or if internally, if you can provide that for yourself, then what results is they will feel secure. You can feel secure. So, I, uh, so if I can lean into those, so being what safe means or providing safety for yourself. Okay. That may mean action. Okay. That may mean asking yourself, what do I need to feel safe? and taking action on that because your safety is important. You cannot heal without safety. So it is critical in the long run. And that's creating an atmosphere that prior prioritize your safety and listening to yourself. It's also working on your nervous system to help your body calm. And there's also this piece where we can't stay in self-protection. That is actually not the most loving thing for us in the long term. And so also providing the sense of safety for yourself is providing safety to go, it's okay to risk. You are safe enough now. You are strong enough now. It's having that self-talk. And honestly, to heal is to risk. And so providing, so it's encouraging yourself to take risks that are appropriate, to celebrate your courage when you do, to pick yourself up when you fall and to be loving and to provide that space of this internally, I'm going to provide that safety for myself. I'm going to give myself that safe talk, being, seeing yourself that aspect of being seen. That's the part of accepting all parts of you and all of your emotions. None of them are bad. Anger is not bad. And I can hear Jenna Reamer's right now going, yes, and amen, girl, preach, Tammy. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And Jenna does a great part, great job of unpacking the internal family systems model, which really talks about the parts of ourselves. And this is not multiple personalities. This is if you had asked me this morning, how do I feel about getting up this morning? Well, part of me is excited about the day. Part of me wants to stay in bed all day. Yeah. You know, we all have parts, but it's a matter of responding to all of them and accepting those parts of us, even that are really uncomfortable for us. And, and saying to yourself, all right, there's a part of me that is just so angry and I accept that. There's a part of me that wants to run back to him and just wants everything to be okay and I accept that. And all of those parts can have a room. They talk about having room at the table, right? Yes. And it's not judging them, uh, but it's accepting them. And then the last one is soothed. And I like what Dan Siegel says about this because he's not saying this is not about creating a life of comfort and for yourself. It is not about the fact is we cannot prevent suffering that will happen in life. But soothing is that the, this idea of not suffering alone. And externally, we get that, but internally, what that means is putting on your best parent voice and saying to yourself, mm. it makes sense, saying to yourself, it makes sense why I feel this way. It makes sense why I'm hurting. Mm. And I'm just going to hold that. It's validating yourself and really being aware of that self-talk. And, and this can sound really odd, maybe if this is the first time you've heard this, but I tell you, it, you have the power to heal yourself. You don't have to wait for your husband or your ex-husband or your friend or your therapist to heal you. You can start this process, but it's that providing um, an internal experience of feeling safe, seen, and soothed. Wow. Mm. Powerful. Wow. You don't have to wait for your husband. Ah, uh, 
Yeah. I'm still going back to what you just said a moment ago about acknowledging. I, 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 I wake up every morning. I have a lot of intrusive thinking, a lot of fear around sudden loss, obviously tied to trauma. And um, I get frustrated with myself because I still fear sudden loss. And so here you are saying like, even biblically, the Bible says it, you know, we, in this world, we will have trouble. And here you are talking about that there's this element of comforting and reparenting that we can do for ourselves. And I have to say that, you know, I, I've had this struggle for a really long time, but I don't think that I have ever considered parenting myself, um, as a matter of fact, I'm getting teary, so I'm having a limbic moment. But got a big old lump in my throat right now. Um, I have not. I'm good with being compassionate toward myself, but I never thought about comforting myself like a parent mm-hmm. comforts a child. Like, yeah, of course, Jen. Of course, you fear sudden loss. It makes perfect sense. You're not in this alone. Yeah, that was. I feel like I'm having this personal moment publicly right now, but there you are. Thank you for sharing it with us. (laughs) I had a therapist, uh, a lovely lady that was a family counselor several years, many years, 10 years ago, share for the first time the concept of reparenting. And it was powerful. My traumas go back to when I was like four, five, six, a lot of those early traumas. And, and that's in my, you know, even speaking with Jenna, that's Chrissy, little six-year-old me. And she taught me how to picture a moment. I can, I can picture it like it happened yesterday in my parents' house when I was six years old. We had this big round chair. It was this bougie in the 70s, you know, kind of big, round, unique chair. And I remember being so stressed out uh, as, a, as a little girl that I curled up in that chair and fell asleep because that was the only thing I could think to do to stop the vibrating, the, the stress that I was under. And, um, and I, when I reparented, I went back to that six-year-old Chris, pulled her off of that chair, mm. showed up as adult Chris, knowing what I know now, hugged her, held her, told her it was okay. I gave that memory of me what I needed at that moment that I didn't receive. Mm. And it is pivotal. It is definitely healing to show up as adult me to help that younger me. And it actually, I don't know, Tammy, you're the therapist here. I am not, but I don't know if this is, if this is what that does, but it kind of took the sting out of that memory. And now it feels like it's resolved. Exactly. Because the amazing thing about our brain is that our brain can't really tell the difference between our imagination and that really happening. So by you using your imagination and going back and holding little Chrissy, you are actually providing healing for your brain and neurologically even and emotionally, you are different now than you were before. Wow. You can heal yourself. You can provide healing, which is so powerful. Wow. Wow. Now I'm having a tear moment. <laughs> I don't, friends, you can't see us all. We're, we're looking at each other on Zoom, but Jen and I, Jen, do you feel like a bobblehead right now? Because we're just like nodding yes <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. Like my neck hurts right now. <laughs> yes, oh, yes. Excellent. And I'm really, I, I'm really hoping, Tammy, that you'll come back and share some of these other phases with us. Um, I feel like I've gleaned a lot from this. Um, from the session with you. Yeah, therapy <laughs> um, session for sure. Yeah. Um, so just a couple of things, Tammy, you know, is there anything that you wanted to add to that? And then also as we close out this episode of our podcast, we'd love to um, have you leave our listeners with, you know, some encouraging thoughts. So I'm just going to kind of let you wrap this up, Tammy, and um, send us off with what we need Yeah, you know, I just want to say to everyone who is listening, um, I have been in your shoes and there is good life ahead. Mm. There's good life ahead. You don't have to believe that right now. That's okay if you don't, but I'm going to hold that for you because it's true. There is good life ahead. There is beauty ahead. There is joy. There is purpose. There is adventure. Mm. You have great worth and value. Uh, keep going. You will get there no matter where you're at and how dark it seems right now. 
I've been there. I'm reaching my hand out mm-hmm. and pulling you through. Beautiful. You know, one of the things that uh, my daughter and I are doing a little Bible study together, and we were talking the other day about the difference between joy and happiness, that happiness is dependent on circumstances. And you just use the word joy, Tammy. And what I've learned through um, reading through the Bible and just talking with um, with great with good people who have walked hard roads is that joy can be found in any circumstance. I think of Paul and Silas in that dark, dank, hard, cold prison cell, worshiping the Lord, singing praises, and uh, and the jailer got saved, and, you know, all, all these good things happen from that hard heart circumstance that we can have joy. We don't always, but it is our birthright, and it is ours to have, that the Holy Spirit can infuse us with joy. And so, um, Listeners, um, you're just on my heart's right now. On my heart right now, and I'm I just want you all to know that I will be praying that God will infuse you with joy, even in the hardest of circumstances, and that is something that you can pray over yourself as well. So, thank you for that, Tammy. That is that was a beautiful wrap up. So, on that note, yeah, and I I second what Jen said. I would love for you to come back and go through the other phases if you'd be willing to do that in the future. Oh, of course. Great. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for being here. Um, That was rich. I've got two pages of notes. So uh, friends, I will put some of that in the show notes for you. Um, Before we close up, Tammy, tell us a little bit about how our listeners can connect with you. Where can they find you on social media, uh, your website? We'd love to know about your Paris retreat. Yes. So my website is betrayalhealing.com. And so you can reach me there. Um, the Instagram, I'm on Instagram. It's Tammy L. Gustafson. And you can connect with me there. And then just a couple. Yeah, the Paris retreat. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so good. Oh, yes, I love please. Paris. It is a magical. Uh, it's just it's a magical place of healing. So the next retreat, I take nine women and I take them to Paris for a week and we stay in, we live in this community, um, villa housing, whatever you want to call it. And it is amazing. Uh, last year was the first year I took these women and I can't tell you how deeply and quickly these women connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, because everyone knew their story and then to go through and to start a new chapter of life together. And there was, we did coaching every day and addressed kind of this moving on a lot of what we're talking about today, but man, then we also went and adventured around Paris together and there, everywhere we went, there was so much fun and so much joy. People wanted to join our group. It was fantastic, <laughs> but really my purpose and my goal for that trip is to take a small group of women who are ready to move forward and see life and joy beauty again, who are ready to connect with other women and to go and experience that and kind of catapult them into this next phase of life. And it's good and it's beautiful. So the next one is coming up in October and I can't wait to go back. That's fantastic. And then you have a betrayal healing conference as well. Tell us about that. I do. Yeah, that's coming up January 22nd through the 26th. So it's a five-day online conference. It is free. And what I have done, my desire for that conference is uh, I am gathering. I am gathering women who this is our story and who are hurt, and I am gathering safe speakers. And so there are 30 speakers during that time, and they are phenomenal people who understand this. Jen is one of the speakers <laughs> yes, who will be talking about body image, which is so important. And so it's a time to come in to, to receive guidance and encouragement and empowerment and to help you figure out your next step and your next step of healing. So I really hope you come. You can go to betrayalhealingconference.com and register there and you can join us for join us for the ride on January 22nd through the 26th. Love it. And this is your third conference, right? It is. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And it's growing. That's so exciting. Thank you for all the effort that you've put into that. I've attended bo- both of your other conferences and they were excellent. So yeah. And yeah, fangirling over Jen being a speaker there. It's <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! awesome. <laughs> 
Well, uh, thank you again, Tammy. Did you have anything you wanted to say before I get to a couple of housekeeping things, Jen? No, just thanks okay. so much. Okay, great. You were talking to me. You, you did say Tammy, and <laughs> I, I did, jumped right I? in. Okay, or Jen, All right. either nope, of you. Nope, okay. <laughs> well, friends, um, if you found this conversation helpful, please consider subscribing, rating, and sharing the podcast with others because your actions might just be a lifeline for others seeking help, encouragement, and support. See, when you... When you subscribe or when you leave a review, wherever you listen to the podcast, it it changes the algorithm and it helps other people find the help and healing that they might need. Um, and for more updates and insights, community engagement and such, be sure to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at the.brt.podcast. And we have a private face- Facebook group as well called Betrayal Recovery Transformation for Christian Women. And we'd love to see you there. Just uh, fill out the few little questions and we'll get you in. And thank you listeners for tuning in and being a part of our podcast community. Your support is invaluable and we're here to serve you. Remember that healing is a journey, not a destination. And as we navigate the path of recovering and transformation together, know that you're never alone. Stay strong, stay hopeful, keep working toward your brighter, empowered future. And until next time, take good care and keep embracing your healing journey. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Betrayal Recovery Transformation Podcast with your hosts, Chris Rocha and Jen Howie. We hope you've been helped and encouraged. If you value the content we shared today, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. This helps others find the show. Need personalized guidance? Please contact Chris or Jen for transformative coaching. This episode has been brought to you by HealingWithTheHowies.com, WatermarkCoach.com, and with the support of Pure Life Alliance Ministries.